Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss productivity tactics that work for neurodiverse individuals. Every episode, we interview guests with lived experience of neurodiversity who also have a solid productivity and habit game, and pass the learnings on to you, our wise and benevolent audience. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Joey. I'm Joey, and I coach creatives to get moving on their most ambitious projects through the power of solid habits and strong focus. I'm also a perpetual student of psychology and perpetually on a quest to a one-armed chin-up. And I'm Jeremy. I'm a neurodiverse software developer turned startup founder, building habit and focus software for people with ADHD. My cool party trick is leaving parties early so I get to sleep on time to do my three hour long morning routine. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode number 26 of the Focus and Chill podcast. We're thrilled to be joined by Dr. Bree Gorman today. Bree is a diversity and inclusion consultant working with organizations to create sustainable, meaningful change. Prior to launching Bree Gorman Consulting, they worked as diversity and inclusion manager at Deakin University. Bree's expertise is in using data to design and inform diversity and inclusion strategies. They have lived experience as a minority gender in the sciences and as a genderqueer bisexual. Welcome to the show, Bree. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Really keen to hear about your experience with neurodiversity. I, I came across you on LinkedIn when you did a, a post recently around our rejection sensitivity dys, um, dysphoria and keen to to hear I guess, some of the ways that it has played out for you. Yeah, no, happy to. It's not something that I regularly talk on, so it's nice to have the opportunity. Um, for me, it's been a quite recent journey um, that began with some investigations into my um, children, which is, I know, a really common occurrence, um, particularly for um, people who aren't men, actually, um, less likely to be diagnosed as, as a young child. Um, and so, yeah, as I was doing the, the screening test uh, for ADHD for one of my children, um, I thought, hang on a second, a lot of these things apply to me as well. Um, and so I then did the screening test and, and came up as very highly likely um, to have ADHD so it's just been a, a process from there and just such a I guess eye-opening process I know many people will be able to relate to that moment of things kind of fitting into place and going oh that's why I do that um, and that's why I've always found certain tasks difficult or, or certain um, ways of working really challenging and interactions with people really challenging and uh, yeah it was kind of just that where you feel things just slot into place one after another 
Um, and then you see it around you as well in other family members too. Um, but, yeah, so so that's where I'm at at the moment. It's not something that I um, usually work in professionally. I, I focus on diversity, equity and inclusion more broadly, um, but it certainly has given me a much more insight into how we can improve workplaces too when it comes to dealing with people who um, do experience ADHD. Mm. Yeah, I imagine it, it's interesting, especially in the sciences, because that's where you, you came from originally. And how did, how did you find that looking back at your previous career? Were there ways that you were able to, I guess, use the powers of hyperfocus and some of the advantageous sides of ADHD? Yeah, that was actually one of the things that made me, um, that had me thinking that I couldn't possibly be ADHD. I have a PhD. And I'm like, if I've been able to complete a PhD, a project over three and a half years, then I mustn't have ADHD. And then um, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine and she said, well, how did you do your PhD? And I, and I sat and I reflected and I thought, well, actually, I did the entire PhD in the last six months um, because my money was going to run out. <laughs> and I couldn't afford not to be paid um, and so I did it in that time and not only did it but you know um, passed without changes which is not always um, very common so I, when I reflect back I see how I was able to do the cramming at the last minute um, to complete projects at the very last minute to a high standard and hyper focus in those times um, but was unable to do them at kind of a regular pace as I would see others do it. Um, and yeah, absolutely. You, you you look back now and you think of all the ways that that impacted um, on the interests that I followed, um, the subjects that I chose to study and the, and the teachers that I related to and those I just could not um, deal with. And I look back and biology was something I was always really interested in, but the way that it was taught at the time, um, I found really boring. And now I look back and I go, that's because I was ADHD. It wasn't taught in a way that, that played into my interests or allowed me to follow those interests. So it's really interesting reflecting back. Mm, yeah. And for me, I liked biology and I found chemistry very boring. So <laughs> impressed that you did a PhD in chemistry. I just I remember that moment. I was so fascinated when I think it was a year nine teacher first told me that the table in front of me was full of millions and billions of atoms. And that just like, I don't know, flicked a switch in me. I was absolutely fascinated. And yes, did hyper focus on that stuff for a very long time. Mm, awesome. And you were saying it's not something that you talk about that much in professional circles. Is it something that you feel like because it, it didn't get picked up as a at a young age, if you like, you've basically developed coping mechanisms a lot of the time that were, I guess, implicit coping mechanisms and maybe some masking techniques that have allowed you to perform at a high level. Yeah, but I, and I think, oh, yes, and I think also um, an advantage that I've had is that I absolutely experience people-pleasing behaviours um, based on the rejection-sensitive dysphoria that I've been learning about um, and one of the things both my parents were school principals right so to achieve academically was absolutely to please and so for me from a very young age that was always a goal um, and so I think that's why it absolutely would have got missed um, because despite having real difficulty concentrating on one thing for a long time I was still absolutely be able to um, ace an exam a test hyper focus on that on that area to avoid 
um, <laughs> uh, displeasing people uh, and, and getting that sense of rejection. So I've been very fortunate in that the thing that really motivates me and certainly did earlier early on um, was something that allowed me to overcome what might traditionally um, be experienced or be observed in the young mm. with ADHD. Yeah. So I guess some blessings and some downsides. Yeah, yeah, definitely a bit of a superpower in in some respects there. Yeah, though I, I find, I think I'm a bit the same that I didn't do a PhD, but my honours, I crammed it in the last three months or so, and it, it allows you into a, a bit of a, a false sense of security then that for me, I start, I've got that track record of I've been able to do things with a very short space of time and then I don't actually put the effort in because I just always trust that it's going to work out. We're going to make it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. A good way to approach work. <laughs> yeah. no, I totally can relate to that. Yeah. Now, speaking of work, tell us a bit about the type of work projects that you do these days. Yeah, sure. Um, I Kind of my business has two main uh, arms to it, I suppose. One is uh, consulting, where I work with organisations to create diversity, equity and inclusion strategies or action plans. Um, I also, you know, review and consult on policies, programs and services and trying to encourage organisations to take a more inclusive design approach um, to the way they run their business. Um, the other angle of the business is training and education. So I spent a lot of time running inclusive leadership trainings. Uh, I just did one this morning. Um, I've got another one tomorrow. And also sometimes doing LGBTI QA plus inclusion training as well. Got it. And that's something you, you were doing at Deakin prior to going out on your own? Yeah, yeah, I was. And it's been such a... Um, such a positive journey for me going into running my own business um, and that I think is almost entirely because I'm ADHD. I am, was so surprised, not surprised, I thought that this would be the case but it has allowed me to thrive to be able to be my own boss has taken away a lot of the challenges that I experienced in workplaces and in a really positive way so I'm really grateful to to have a business and that it pays the bills and that I can keep doing this hopefully for a much longer period of time. Mm, yeah, it's a bit of a stereotype about ADHD as being good entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, it certainly worked out that way for me um, in terms of just, yeah, much, much better health and well-being and um, joy and satisfaction in work than what I had had previously. Yeah, that's great to hear. Has it been, is it mainly about the schedule flexibility and location flexibility that's been a game changer for you? Those and also the ability to choose the work that I do. Um, and so I don't have to battle against, you know, stuck on projects that I have zero interest in, that I just hate showing up to work each day to have to complete. Um, if I'm not interested in the work, I don't take on the project. And so I think it's that autonomy. I was doing some reading recently on that self-determination theory um, and the three key elements towards, you know, improved health and well-being. And one of them's autonomy. The other one is the competence that you get to actually um, exhibit or demonstrate your competence on a regular basis. And the other was connection. And when I reflected on it, those three things I absolutely get in the business in the way that perhaps I wasn't getting in workplaces in the past. Mm, I love that. That seems like a really good way to sum up a, a job that's going to be fulfilling. 
Yeah, yeah. I, uh, just looking for those three elements, I've realised that they are absolutely important to me. Mm, definitely. And when you're not working, what do you get up to in your off time? <sighs> Play cricket um, when I can. And I'm starting to reduce the amount of sport I play, which is a little bit challenging for me because it's one of the things that um, has really probably the only thing where I find that I'm totally focused on the activity at hand. Um, And so when I'm playing cricket and I'm out on the field, I think of nothing else but that I'm out on the field and that's really relaxing um, and gives me that ability to tune out. So I'm looking for things to replace that as as that starts to um, play a smaller role in my life. Um, Otherwise, I listen to a lot of podcasts because that really helps um, with my brain if I'm you know, I'm not going to clean, I'm not going to cook, I'm not going to do any any of those kind of what I see as mundane tasks unless I've got something else that's getting me through it that my brain is focused and interested in. And so there's a lot of podcast listening going on for me as I do those kind of mundane tasks. So they're probably the, the two key things for me at the moment. And I absolutely love the beach, so get there as much as I can. Awesome. I was going to ask you about productivity hacks, but good to hear about the chore hack there. I find the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely use that in a work situation as well. Podcasts or having Netflix on at times when I'm doing those more detailed, long, what I might consider laborious tasks. Um, yeah, having that kind of having something else happening in the background that I can pause and play and pause and play um, allows me to stay seated <laughs> and, mm. and doing the work. Yeah. Is it things like say data analysis where you're, you're crunching numbers or it's just very repetitive work? Absolutely. Particularly the data analysis. And I'm working to kind of reduce the amount of that type of work that I do anyway, um, mm. because I realize it's actually really draining for me um, and I don't need to be doing that anymore. Somebody else can do it. Um, so working to reduce the amount of that detailed data analysis that I need to do. Um, but yes, while I'm still in the midst of a number of projects that do that, there's a lot of true crime podcasts getting listened to. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And when do the, well, the the cricket and the the chores and the work how do you fit that in around the rest of your day walk us through say from the morning what does your morning routine look like yeah I have an interesting relationship with the morning routine (laughs) I struggle with anything that's routine um that bores me um but what motivates me to get up every morning is food I'm very food motivated so I'm fortunate in that respect um so I will eat first always um and then make my way to my desk I'm yeah I'm pretty good at doing that and and sticking to that but other than that there's not much of a routine things get done quite haphazardly throughout the morning nice good to to have something there to thank you (laughs) exactly and we've spoken a bit about optimizing productivity in terms of for tasks that aren't that enthralling you've got the true crime podcast what are your other techniques for optimizing productivity yeah i sounds counterintuitive but i play games um on my phone nice short games so to do a level might be 20 30 seconds Um, And I find if I do that, that allows me to stay in my seat Um, because previous to adopting that, I was just up and down, up and down, up and down. 
Um, and now I stay much longer in my seat because I'll play a game and then look back at the screen and, and do some more work and then back to the game. So I'm not sure that's the most efficient or effective way um, for me to manage my attention, but it's working for now. Um, and so, yeah, I'm adopting that as while I try to ease my way out of these kind of more long detailed tasks that I'm having to do. Is it almost like the Pomodoro technique that you might do a certain amount of work and then break it up and play a, a level? Yeah, I don't really. Um, that I, I tried that a couple of times, like to even, you know, set a timer, you would do 10 minutes and then you can do a level. Um, I just really fight against any structure like that. I find, yeah, I get angry at it. So <laughs> I now just give myself permission to to do it when I need to because mm. that's just the way my brain works and mm. so I might as well just go with the flow and that feels much more relaxing to me and I'm still getting the work done and managing I I work to a, I use Trello to manage my projects and schedule them into my calendar and so I know what needs to be done when and because of the people pleasing I'm not going to fail a client um, so I just, yeah, I just keep at it and kind of try to give myself as much flexibility as possible so that I don't stress myself out too much to, to complete something. Mm, makes sense. What game do you like to, to go to? Oh, currently it's Royal Match or something. It's really bad. So if anybody's got any good suggestions for good games that are nice and quick little levels to do, I'm all open. I'm open ears for it. Okay, is that like a, a cricket game? No, it's not. It sounds like <laughs> it's one of those silly matching games. Okay. No, maybe I should find a cricket game. <laughs> I was I was going to ask when you were saying that you were doing less cricket, is it because it, the long pauses in between innings, are they <laughs> part of what you, you're not liking as much? No, it's funny that cricket just doesn't have that for me. When I'm at cricket, I'm just there 100%. It's it's a really odd um, thing. No, it's that the kids are getting older and they both play cricket and timetable's oh, okay. getting really tight. So there's, I think there's just a period of time where I need to reduce my cricket for a little while and then increase it again, hopefully, in the next couple of years. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a quick drinks break and we'll be back for the next innings in a little bit. Hello there. This is Joey. I'm excited to tell you about a project I run where I help imaginative people just like you breathe life into their creative dreams, like writing that book or performing that stand-up comedy set. I know the first step can be daunting. I've been there many times and have helped many people on a similar journey. If you've wondered how to bring those ideas swimming around in your head to life, get in touch. We'll shrink the intimidating dragon off a goal into a cute little lizard of an achievable daily habit that you can do every day to get started and stay moving. Click on the link in the show description to get in touch. Okay, we're back. And now I'm keen to hear about a habit you'd like to introduce to your life and doesn't necessarily have to be one you do every day. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can't do habits and that's what really bothers me. Um, but I, yeah, I realized that for me, I've always stayed quite fit and active and that has been through team sport. 
um, because I can't exercise on my own. And I say can't, I need to change that language because the reality is I, I need to now find ways on my own um, to exercise because that really helps with my mental health. Um, and so, yeah, I need to introduce a not so regular, but a habit to exercise not in a team sport environment, which has just always been so challenging for me. So that's kind of on the list of things to try and find a way. During COVID, I did start to. So I you know, was doing YouTube exercise videos um, out of necessity, but I can get 10 days and that's about it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the task I've set myself at the moment to find some way to keep into some kind of shape. Yeah, well, 10 days is pretty good. Yeah. I was even thinking maybe with the 20 to 30 second bursts, maybe it could be okay to get up from your seat and do some star jumps or do a set of push-ups, things like that. I do that's that good. myself and I find that's quite a good way of releasing energy. Yeah, okay. That would probably be a good replacement to the Royal Match. <laughs> it depends who you're around. It might break some people out because <laughs> you're working from home. Yeah, working from home, so it should be fine. But yeah, that's a great suggestion. How about in the evening? How do you switch off at night? Um, I'm fortunate in a way that I wake early, so um, sleep times are not so much of a problem for me. I My head hits the pillow and um, these days didn't used to be the way, but I'm pretty much asleep. And so I yeah, need to learn to switch off more in the middle of the night when I do startle or awaken. Um, but, yeah, at nighttime I find it really quite easy, which I know is not a typical experience for ADHDers. So I recognise the privilege I have there. Mm, yeah, I'm similar. That Waking up early seems to be a, a really good way to, to actually force my body to go to sleep. Yeah. Do you have any rituals that you do in the lead up to sleep? Um, no, not really. Uh, yeah, no, every night's kind of a little bit different. Um, yeah, not really. Cool. On your LinkedIn, I've been seeing a lot of books that you've been saying that you've been reading. Are there any books or all-time favourites in terms of books, philosophies, sensory toys, apps, anything like that that you found helpful for you? Um, for me is absolutely reading and listening to the Eckhart Tolle um, plethora of information around, particularly for me, I'm not a, a very spiritual person and um, a lot of Eckhart stuff can get very spiritual. Um, but for me, just the different way of looking at emotions to help me with my emotional regulation, um, particularly when I'm parenting, I think that's the biggest challenge to me with my brain and the way it works and the way um, my emotions flare up is definitely parenting is the biggest challenge I've ever experienced from that angle. And yeah, the Eckhart Tolle books just really changed me as a parent and as a person and allowed me not to in any way reduce the emotions that I experienced, but just to recognize them differently. Um, not feel that they always have to be fixed, not feel that I actually have to act on them. And that sometimes now I manage to just take the time to let them pass, um, which has always been a real challenge for me. So I think out of everything, it was definitely those books that yeah changed my perspective on life and gave me some tools I can use to stay a lot calmer um, and more regulated more often. 
Mm, love that. I've always wanted to actually consume his material, but I tried listening to one of his audiobooks and I found it too slow. Do you yeah. read them or is that something that you do an audiobook as well? Um, I did read the books. Um, I found, and I'm not a huge fan of Oprah, but Oprah did a podcast series with Eckhart and that was a little bit faster. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was easier to consume. Okay, I might have to try that. <laughs> yeah, give it a try. I think it's a New Earth podcast or something. And, yeah, I found that easy to do while I was walking. Okay, very good, because I think I was listening to not The Power of Now, but some kind of workshop that he was doing, yeah. and it seemed like he was interspersing mindfulness practice in with the actual reading of the book, and it was just <laughs> I was trying to clean the shower while I was listening to it, and it was too slow even for that. And okay, I'll find yeah, something else good. instead. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds challenging. I've listened to some of his YouTube videos and I've found the same thing. Uh, 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, that's still on. Uh, <laughs> that? Yeah, no, definitely reading the books helped for me. Cool. All right, and last two questions. Where can people connect with you? Uh, so, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's probably the easiest, but I also have a website, www.bregorman.com.au. Uh, so either of those angles you can find me um, and reach out wonderful and any final words or asks for the audience um, asks definitely please send through your game requests uh, your game suggestions <laughs> that would be fantastic and if you've got any great ideas for um, you know exercising without setting up a, a regular 30 minute interval kind of daily routine that would be really helpful as well wonderful i'm sure some ideas will come flowing through <laughs> beautiful thanks a lot for coming on the show no thank you so much for having me thanks for tuning into this episode of the focus and chill podcast to listen to other episodes jump onto podcast.focusbear.io if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit email us at team at focusbear.io Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled, and peace out.